This is Good Together, the podcast that inspires you to create change in the world every day. I'm your host, Laura Alexander-Wittig, CEO and founder of Brightly, the number one destination for conscious consumers around the world. At Good Together, we value the planet over perfection and believe that you can make positive things happen for the planet every day by being a conscious consumer and an informed citizen. Listen in as I chat with various experts about living and consuming responsibly. Together, listeners. Um, I am really excited to bring back Leon onto the podcast, our marketing lead. We're talking all about back to school because Leon just graduated with his MBA. <laughs> I'm excited to be back, and yeah, I'm still, uh, I'm still a little traumatized now. It was, it was a lot of fun. <laughs> That's <laughs> It'll so be funny. a good conversation. Yeah, so we figured that we could talk about things from a few different angles. So um, listeners, you may or may not know, I recently, well, not recently, my, my, I had a, a baby about a year ago, almost. She's about nine months. Um, and so as a parent, um, I haven't experienced too much back to school yet because she's still pretty little. Um, but we figured we could um, talk about things from a you know kids and family perspective. I do while, while my kid's not in school. I have friends and family that, that are going through that right now. Um, and then, you know, so then as does Leon. And the other thing we wanted to talk about was, you know, back to school from, you know, an older perspective, like college, grad students, et cetera, because obviously like there's quite a few of you listening right now. So there's, there's all sorts of really interesting tips and tricks that we have come up with to kind of help think about going back to school from a sustainable perspective, meaning like not a bunch of accumulation of brand new things. But I kind of feel like just like, throwing it back. Like I remember when I'd go back to school as a kid, that was like a thing. Like you would like pick whatever your favorite, like, I don't know, like cartoon or something was that year. And then it was like, you wanted everything to be branded with that. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Like my lunchbox, I remember being Jurassic Park branded. I mean, yeah, not to age myself a little bit. (laughs) I I was obsessed when it came out that year. And so I I, like wanted everything Jurassic Park. (laughs) Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's kind of the same thing with like birthday parties, you know, like everything had to be like themed, whatever it was. Yeah, I was, I remember I, I was just totally obsessed with Lisa Frank at one point and um, just kind of anything. I loved animals, obviously still do. Um, and that was always my thing. I always wanted everything like whatever. If there was a Disney movie out, I wanted the animal sidekick all over everything because there's Love always it. an animal sidekick, Lion King, et cetera. So, um, you know, I think as we think about, you know, the general theme for almost every podcast that we record, it's like, we number one, we're realists. And so we understand that you're going to have to buy new things like that's totally just part of part of what happens. But you don't necessarily have to buy every single thing new. And the new stuff that you buy can actually be more eco friendly than just like running to the store and grabbing the first thing that you see, right? Yeah, 100%. I mean, I know on my end, during the MBA, um, I made sure to get, you know, I was getting all my books and everything like secondhand. I mean, 
there's just no need to go buy all that stuff new and it's so expensive anyways it just doesn't make it just doesn't make a ton of sense so yeah just absolutely. little things like that even make a big difference absolutely so i mean when we're when we're thinking about stuff so first of all i think just taking an inventory and planning ahead uh before you head out to the store so like you know laying everything out from last year looking to see what you need to refresh. I mean, obviously, um, we know that, you, especially when you're, um, you're, your kids or you're going through, um, you know, younger folks, a lot of times teachers will send out uh, required lists, you know, like things that you have to buy. Um, so you can take that list that they, you know, are saying, look, this is the required stuff for the year. Take that list and make your own list of things that you need look at what you already have so that you're not duplicating things. Cause I feel like that's like a super common thing for almost any item in your house. If you don't know that you have it right. A lot of us yeah. have an abundance of things. So if you're not super organized, which most of us aren't like, there's not enough time <laughs> in the day, like, you know, just like, okay. Like taking an afternoon or, you know, morning or something and like just laying everything out. Right. Because I think having a list and, and operating from that perspective can definitely help you, Number one, not buy duplicates, but number two, not like go crazy with like a bunch of stuff you don't need, right? Yeah, I'm still trying to find those organization hours in my day. So, you know, it's a work in progress. <laughs> well, it's totally a work in progress. And you know what, Leon, yeah. like if you, if you do it in a way that's like, you don't have to organize your entire closet or whatever. You can literally just say, look, look, today I'm focusing on like back to school. So I'm going to just pull yeah. that kind of stuff one out and time. school yeah. supplies one thing at a time. Um. But we had a few tips about like, okay, so thinking about, um, you know, as you're planning ahead, like, you know, there's a lot of big name retailers that are, you know, we're, we're recording this in August, it's coming out in August, like, the, we are in full back to school swing already, right? Like the retailers Absolutely. are really, really thinking about back to school deals. Um, and so, like, you know, how do we how do we challenge ourselves to go in there and, and not go crazy if everything's on sale? Yeah, no, absolutely. The sales are always are always very tempting, and there's a lot going on right now. So, um, you know, it definitely takes a little <laughs> a little discipline there. Yeah, and like, what do you feel like is a good way to like ground yourself? Like, maybe I mean, we found some statistics about household waste, right? Like, you want to share some of those? It's crazy. So, yeah, according to the EPA, the average person produces 4.9 pounds of waste per day. And it's like hard per for me to day. wrap my brain around that. Yeah. Basically five pounds, five pounds of waste a day. How um, how much does a sack of flour weigh? Remember when they used to, speaking of school, and they made you carry that around like a baby? Um, oh, math was not my strong suit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Okay, wait, I'm going to look that up because be, for me, how much does that weigh? Um sack of flour no i don't need to know about like a giant sack of flour google um guys bear with me hold on you're gonna get um, all these targeted flour i know ads, i just want like what's okay so the normal two pounds okay so like imagine two two pound bags of flour and then that's still not enough like that's how much waste you're producing per day i was trying to get like a visualization for everybody so <laughs> that's a lot um and so that's per person um in your house the reason why I was looking at the flower uh, weight is because I really wanted a good visualization for us to think about as we think about waste. So back to school is one way we can visualize it, but there's also many other things that we do during our daily life that are wasteful. So we're thinking about like multiple, uh, you know, sacks of flour per day per person. That's that's a lot. So like just I don't know, starting things off by just being really mindful about our waste is always a really good idea. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I think we can, you can also really um, put an emphasis on kind of reusing items and not having to buy, you know, new stuff all the time. I mean, for example, um, we're actually, you know, have a awesome like washable paper lunch bag. Um, that's really cool. I, I was actually going to buy it myself. <laughs> um, and so that's going to be, uh, you know, something from the Brightly uh, shop, but it's really awesome. And it's it just things like that where you can keep reusing and you're not having to throw stuff away all the time. It just makes a big difference on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, you know, you're right. So like, like that. little things like that. I mean, so yeah, so so kind of walking through our, our cycle, right? So we've, we've done our inventory, we've identified, we do need a few new things. So you're right. Like, if you're going out and buying new things, you can always try and find the more eco-friendlier option. Um, so, you know, Leon just mentioned one cool item that we have in the Brightly shop. And in, in August, we're going to have a few more like uh, back to school items listed, which is cool. We actually have... Um, Another thing that I, I thought was really fun is we have a notebook um, that is made of stone paper, which is kind of insane. Like, Laura, this blew my mind. Yeah. I, I still can't wrap my head around it. It's so cool. Yeah. So it's like tree free, which by the way, like paper is required, like so much paper is required for school. And, um, you know, number one, like just checking the source of the paper, like if it's FSC certified, that's usually a decent bet. Um, It's not completely uh, without its faults, but I think FSC certification is a good, easy one to look for when you're out looking for paper products. But um, just like the meat industry and I mean, just like every industry, we, we feel like we know in our heads where stuff comes from. It's not necessarily true. Like you might think to yourself, oh, well, you know, I need all this paper and it's grown on this farm and it's done in like a relatively responsible way. It's a tree, you know, like when you cut a tree down, you can put a new one up. And that's unfortunately like not always the case. Like they, you would be surprised. There's still a lot of just like straight up logging that goes on um, in, you know, environments in the United States and Canada. Like it's, that's a little bit crazy to me. Actually in, in the Pacific Northwest, if you drive around like in more rural areas or trying to go out to like a national park, there's all sorts of places that have just been straight up logged and they're not farms, which I was always kind of, my mind was blown. So obviously we've got, a, you know, habitat destruction going on in the name of industry and, 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 you know, wood and things like that. So just being, making sure we're being mindful about that. So the fun thing about this, like stone papers, it's literally made from stones. You can't tell like the paper itself. It's, it's thick. It's a little, maybe a little bit thicker, but it's not like, I mean, you would not say, oh, this is made of stones. It just seems like total regular paper and it's recyclable, which is really cool. So we have that as kind of like a a product in the shop to like spark some curiosity. Obviously, we know you're not going to buy every single notebook uh, made out of stone paper, but it's kind of fun, Um, you know, and like using that as an opportunity to talk about what I just talked about with like logging and like just thinking about like where your paper comes from, um, I think is fun. And you, you know, especially when you're working with, with kids and the little ones, like that's kind of a fun thing to talk about. Right. Yeah, definitely. Absolutely. Like teaching sustainability and just things like that and where things come from to spark curiosity at a young age, I think is really, really important. Yeah. And so there are, um, you know, all sorts of really interesting things that we're putting in the shop, but you can always look for, you know, regardless if you're, you know, shopping in our swap shop or you're just like at Walmart or you're wherever you are shopping. Um, again, look for, um, you know, FSC certification on paper products. You can look for things made of recycled materials. Those are, you're seeing more and more of that come up where people have like 
anything that's created from plastic is made of some recycled plastic. So again, like plastic is not great. Um, we like to have you reduce your plastic consumption as much as possible. If you have to buy plastic, recycled is sometimes an option, which can be good. Um, but I think the the TLDR of all of this is that, you know, you know, first of all, if you have to buy a new, try and be a little bit more thoughtful about it. Um, you know, and when you're at bigger retailers, it actually sends a pretty nice signal to them. If you're choosing to purchase the eco-friendlier option, like that's a signal to them that they need to, you know, supply more of those later on. Um, and so I think that's a really good thing to keep in mind from, from a new perspective. Um, and I mean, the last thing I'll say about materials, right. We talked about stone paper. You talked about like the washable paper lunch bag. Like there's so many cool products out there that are made of eco-friendlier materials that I think, you know, you're going to find a really fun story there. And also just a really good opportunity to um, vote with your dollars as you're buying new school supplies. Yeah, absolutely. So you mentioned this a little bit, Leon, when we were talking about this episode, like, you know, how buying things secondhand, especially like when you're in grad school, it's like totally, se- it's second nature, right? Like, it you're, is, it's second especially nature. textbooks. Everyone so like, now, yeah, yeah, yeah. Tell me a little bit more about that. Yeah, I mean, I don't think I know knew anyone in my MBA program who bought new, you know, so I think there's a, people are starting in certain areas to really kind of lean in to the whole, to sustainability and, and trying to be a little more eco-friendly there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we, we would buy um, all our textbooks and everything secondhand, or we would, um, you know, do whatever we could to just kind of make sure we weren't kind of buying something new that would then like be thrown out. And, um, and so even when we were done, we would, we would pass it on to kind of the next generation. Of yeah. That's what I was about to MBA say. Students, yeah. So people that are just coming in. So um, that was kind of like a fun thing. Yeah. I mean, I was about to say, I remember it being in school and having that um, swap mentality um, and just being like, look, we know that teachers are going to require us to have specific books, right? And they expect you to have them with you every day in class. And, you know, it's it's something that you can't really get a, get away from. Um, I, I would think that there's probably some teachers out there that are probably more open to having like people use digital versions of books and, and things like that. But there's always like, especially when you're trying to cram a lot of knowledge in your head, there's definitely some benefits, I think, to having something printed and sitting in front of you. So again, knowing that like the textbook industry in general is very wasteful. If you think about the number of new editions, I remember that used to drive me nuts where you'd like go out to the, you'd go out to the um, bookstore to grab your secondhand copy of your textbooks because you didn't want to spend, you know, thousands of dollars getting them new. And then, oh, wait, the new edition has come out. um, And all of a sudden you can't use that, right? Like, did did you experience that at all? Yeah, nothing's even really changed with the new edition. It's just a way for them to make more money. But it's, it's such a, it's so wasteful. It's, it's crazy. Yeah. And I mean, and it's, it just really is, it's, it's a lot. I mean, if you we, we actually found um, a few different statistics about textbooks themselves, but I mean, number one, um, it is it's kind of staggering. Like the average American student spends between seven hundred dollars and a thousand dollars per year on textbooks, which is it's oh, it's crazy. Um, and you know, this is the cost often is is bared by the school systems if you're in you know like your um, K through twelve um, situation. So many times the students themselves aren't buying the textbooks, but the 
the um, you know school administrations are, and they're they're sending money that way where they could basically be spending it on other things. So it's just it, there's a lot of waste generated, um, and you know I don't know if everybody remembers like putting a bunch of textbooks in your bag and how bad that is for your back. Like it's just. Like oh, that was brutal. That was brutal, right? <laughs> Don't was you really, remember that? When I was when I was little, I was I was also short, and I remember, <laughs> I remember just having backpacks just filled to the brim of textbooks, and it was like really. I mean, it really does take a toll on your back. You know, oh, like, absolutely, and you know, especially like when you're you're when you're little and you're like still growing, it's not good for your development. Like it's it's really not. Like it's it can really cause like you know not good things from your health perspective. And so um, we actually found an interesting statistic that was saying that the average high school student taking an average four classes per semester can culminate up to 20 pounds of textbook weight in their backpack. Like that's crazy. crazy. So anyway, I think that there is um, definitely a movement towards number one, like trying to just reduce the number of of textbooks required in general. Um, But yes, going back to this conversation around secondhand um, and and letting people, uh, you know, students actually purchase things secondhand. Um, and that's not the textbooks aren't the only thing out there that, you know, obviously some textbooks can be recycled. Some of them can't like thinking about making sure when you're checking through that list, you can get secondhand things like who remembers the calculators, <laughs> right? <laughs> like the TI back in, the, in our day, they were like oh, super man, yeah. souped up and people would like put games on them and stuff. But like, that was, I, that was wild. Right. Yeah. That was pretty crazy. But I just remember it, again, how expensive those dang things were, right? Like it, they not were so nice. expensive at, at the time. I mean, I think they're still not cheap, but like, Leon and I are, you know, talking about 90s where, you know, electronics were not so. Yeah, we're 90s, we're 90s kids. 90s yeah. kids. So they weren't quite as, proli- <laughs> you know, proliferate as they are now. But um, yeah, I mean, it's, they're really expensive. And guess what? Like electronics in general are very difficult to recycle. So most of the time people just throw them away. And so they end up in landfills creating a ton of e-waste. Um, so whether you're thinking about a calculator or a laptop, like, you don't need a like super crazy good souped up laptop to go to school on. Like unless maybe you're taking like a, a course that requires that, like graphic design. But again, like you don't need a bunch of new stuff every year. Like, please don't do it and get some secondhand stuff if you can. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Swap, swap with your student groups. Like I would love to see a movement on campuses of people starting these like swaps and just like having, you know, like opening up and having events, I think that would be really cool to see. Um, because yeah. I feel like that's a big deal. Because look, like people are already doing this from thrifting, right? Like, so let's talk a little about like clothes shopping, because I also remember that was a thing, right? Like you wanted to get um, like some new <laughs> some new outfits for school. Right? I won't even go into those probably too many embarrassing stories back from 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 that. But yeah, you want to be like, wearing what's you know what's cool what all the cool kids are wearing and what's what's trendy and when you're you know that age that's important so um yeah i mean there's a lot of waste going on there for sure yeah so just thinking about um sure you don't have to not buy anything new you could get a few new outfits that's fine but just like number one like try not to shop from fast fashion brands um you know like seeing if you can purchase from places that make things a little bit more ethically of course, you can also go through secondhand, and I know thrifting is is very uh, thankfully starting to become like more and more mainstream. But um, you know, you can not only do you, um, 
you need to, you know, could you go to a thrift store, but there's all sorts of places you can go online to look for things. Um, and so, you know, in terms of like brands that we like, um, that are, you know, sustainable fashion brands. Now we, first of all, we understand sustainable fashion oftentimes is not very, uh, wallet friendly. So like looking for sales and things like that, we totally get it. Um, I really like, there's a few brands that are kind of staples in my closet and they have a variety. Some of these um, brands also make kids clothing and, and they're, um, they have men and women's clothing. So there, a lot of them are very, um, you know, applicable to most people in your family, but like, I love Everlane, um, Tentree is a good one, Amor Ver, Abel, Nisolo. Um, these are all some of my favorites. And Leanne, like, I know you're relatively new to the world of sustainable fashion yourself, but I'm um, <laughs> curious to know if you had any favorite brands. One of my favorite brands actually is a company called uh, Mizzen and Maine. Oh, yeah. And they are, um, I know the founder, uh, it's a really cool company. So they basically make dress shirts and also now polos um, for, for school and work. Um, but they, you don't need to take them to a dry cleaner. So um, they're super easy. Um, they don't sweat. They um, are easily um, washable um, and minimally washable. And you never have to take it to a dry cleaner, so you save a lot of costs on that. And also, um, it's you know kind of helpful on the environment in that way. So, um, yeah, that's, that's a brand for shirts that um, I, I really enjoy. Yeah, and I mean that that's a great call out because you you definitely you know don't need to dry clean more than you really need to. And whether it's just a you know environmentally, most dry cleaning is not great, um, but there are some sort of more responsible ones. But I love that. I love that idea. Um, so just kind of going through the list and, 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 you know, the kind of the last few, few things that we wanted to share is like, again, in, in addition to thinking about waste, trying to avoid single use stuff. So like, as you get back into the swing of, of things with school, like, and, you know, let's say you're a mom packing school lunches, like that's a thing. Like my, my mom did that. Like, I know my husband, my husband's mom. Oh my God. She, so my husband and I are high school sweethearts. So we like literally knew each other way back in the day. And I remember when he, um, would come to school with like these like artisanal lunches, like his mom <laughs> would like make him these like amazing sandwiches that were like on like fresh bagels that she would go out and get the same day. Like, um, not happening over in my household now. That's I mean, amazing though. Like, yeah. I mean, so, so, and then sometimes she would make me a lunch, which was kind of amazing. Um, but yeah. So anyway, <laughs> I, of course I remember like he, he used to bring his lunch, um, in one of those, a brown paper sack, which, you know, like would have been nice to probably have a reusable lunch bag, um, instead of that. But I mean, at least, at least that thing could have been recycled semi-easily. Um, but there was a ton and I, I mean, a ton of single use Ziploc bags. Like I shudder to think about how many dang Ziploc bags we all consumed, um, and used at that eight, like through K through 12, like in, in the nineties. Uh, right. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> for everything. For everything. Um, and so now if you're a parent and you, I'm, I'm, I know I'm going to be speaking to you when I say like getting your kids to keep track of things is rough. So I get that there is a, um, just like a natural pull that's like, look, like Laura, I would love to send my kids to school with like stasher bags or like reusable alternatives, but like they lose them. Right. And so I, I get that. I get that there's like kind of a financial cost up front. 
There are like paper-based food containers for single-use things that you can use instead of like, um, you know, if you like think about like a classic, uh, you know, snack goldfish in a plastic bag, you can get small little paper packets to put those goldfish in. So just like thinking about it, because I don't want to be unrealistic for people. I totally know that kids can lose stuff. I mean, you can absolutely um, come up with a system though, where um, like you, you can like reward your kids for bringing stuff back and like, you know, keep up a point system and stuff. Yeah, I've smart. heard, of, I've heard of some families doing that um, just to kind of encourage them to make it fun, to keep, make it fun and to like keep track yeah. of stuff. Um, and then like for the rest of us that are, you know, in charge of our own, uh, you know, consumption patterns, like, you know, trying to cut down on single use, whether we're thinking about coffee cups or, I mean, straws are kind of a trope now, but just, just thinking through, right. Um, I, I, I think it's just, it's, it's just trying to be mindful. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and speaking of school, I mean, I think we should talk about, you know, how much teachers are so important to, you know, our impact. And I know, Laura, you probably have a special teacher that, you've had uh, growing up, but for me, um, absolutely. And I think teachers make such a huge difference. And there's also fun ways that teachers can can include kind of sustainability teaching in their classroom as well. Yeah. And I mean, so one of the things that I really feel like is a huge um, barrier for the average person fighting against climate change is just a lack of education. I mean, there's a lack of education in general with folks um, on a variety of topics. I think we could probably all agree there, but like there is, um, (laughs) you know, there is a huge, um, there is a huge amount of change that can be created at the education level by just number one, like recognizing that climate change is a thing, which most, I, I just saw a statistic that said roughly 75 to 80% of teachers agree with that, which I'm surprised it's not hundred percent, but um, you know, just making sure that climate change is baked into um, lesson plans and that we're talking a little bit about that. But the other interesting thing that, that I kind of looked up was like one in four teachers, principals, and district leaders in the United States say that climate change is actually already impacting their school or district to some extent. Um, And so that is basically um, thinking about uh, school closures because of wildfires or flooding or natural disasters. Um, That is like a huge, huge problem across the world. Um, And when you think about not only the impact to like the physical school buildings, there's also like a huge impact to kids because it's like, it's, it's scary. Like there, there's a decline in the kind of physical and mental health when you affect the the normal patterns of school. Um, and so it's just a really interesting thing to think about. And so um, we have just got to make sure that our educators are being supported as much as possible. Um, so, because they are like really ground zero in the fight, trying to educate people about like why this is important. Um, and of course, we also need to make sure that we're properly, you know, supporting and funding our school districts too, through tax dollars and through, you know, different initiatives and, and making sure that this is a huge priority for us, because I feel like, you know, in general, it seems to me like the education has just become like less and less of a priority in this country. I don't know. I just, for me, it just doesn't seem like as important as it used to be. So like, we really at Brightly, like we really want to make sure that we are getting back to ground zero and, and really helping uplift and support teachers 
in whatever way possible. Um, and we'll talk a little bit about like a, a really fun thing we're, we're going to do this month in a second. But um, just thinking about, Leah, the impact that teachers have on our daily lives. Like I was thinking back through this. I don't know if I had a specific um, teacher that was responsible for um, you know, giving me a love of the environment or anything climate change specific, but I always just my my whole life had been and continue to be a really avid reader. Now, granted, I don't have as much time to read anymore as I'd like to, but always really, really enjoyed books and just thinking through, um, you know, using fiction and nonfiction, um, obviously to an extent, to get kids to be creative and immerse themselves in different worlds and and in thinking about how, um, you know the world as we know it or the world as it exists in books that were written, you know, 50 years ago doesn't exist. I mean, it, it's a completely different world now. And so like using that creativity and, and really fostering that love of curiosity and, um, you know, uh, just thought process in kids and getting them to like, kind of think outside the box. I had a lot of amazing teachers that, that did that. Um, I was part of a program called reach that was like designed to get kids. Um, you know, it was, it was funny. It was like a, once a, once a week, they'd actually pull, um, some of the kids out of class and it was kind of this like experimental, um, like, like, kind of creative type thing that we did. Um, and I remember there were all sorts of really fun things they had us do to think outside the box and like, that's yeah, awesome. ins- inspire a generation of curious learners. I think that's so critically important. I think we need to do more of that. And I just feel, I don't know about you, but I feel like students and teachers that just have it so much tougher uh, nowadays, it seems like even then when we were in school. Well, they do because I, everything has been everything's been politicized, unfortunately, and uh, poor students and, and, and teachers are kind of caught in the middle. Um, there's a lot of parents paying a lot of attention to curriculum. And, and sure, I, parents obviously do need to pay attention to, to curriculum to to the extent they can. But I, I think there's a lot of unfortunate things going on that are distracting from like the real challenge of just inspiring learners. Um, so I think that's I think it's and it's happening on all sides. It's happening in all sorts of places in the country. And so it's just, it, it's not, it's not one area there. There's just a lot of distraction going on there. Um, but Leon, do you want to talk a little bit about like the exciting, like initiative that we're going to do um, this month to help kind of uplift and appreciate our teachers? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, for me, uh, teachers, certain teachers played such an important role I feel like in me growing up, I had this one teacher, Laura, um, her name was, uh, her name's Noni Schwartz. So if you're listening, um, <laughs> you, know, you, did a, you did an amazing impact. You had an amazing impact on me. So she's my sixth grade geography teacher. And I used to love geography. And I think she really sparked my love, I think, of travel mm. and kind of learning about other cultures and really like what we were saying is kind of inspiring that wanting to be curious and learn about other types of people and yeah. then having, so really learning like empathy for people who are, you know, different than you and, and, and live in a different environment. And I've always loved traveling and, and kind of seeing that. So I think she really helped uh, spark that um, love for me and also giving me like a really worldly like perspective and, and trying to put your shoes, you know, um, uh, what's the quote I'm looking for where you're, Putting yourself in somebody else's shoes. There you shoes. go. There you go. It's a, you know, it's been a week. Um, but yeah, so I think um, Noni Schwartz, and I'll try not. I'll try not to get a little emotional here, but 
uh, she made a really big impact um, in my life from a really young age. So I just, uh, for us at Brightly, we really want to, we appreciate teachers so much. And we actually are going to have a really exciting teacher appreciation giveaway that's going to take place in August. And um, the winner, um, so we're going to actually have um, a, a fun contest where people get to nominate their favorite teachers and write up kind of why they think they deserve to win. And the winner, the winning teacher, will actually get $200 in cash and another $170 uh, in eco-friendly products to be able to use for their classroom. And so I think that's going to make a really huge difference. And for us, it's just so important um, to be able to give back to the teachers that I think are so um, critical um, and do so much and do, you know, a lot of things that are really underappreciated. So for us, I'm really excited about this initiative and um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Yeah, I, I am too. And we, you know, I think we had heard different versions of, you know, people being able to buy out teachers um, Amazon wish list and things like that. And we just kind of wanted to take it a step further and say like, yeah, like we'll, we'll give you some, some cash to help do that wherever you'd like to. And then, um, we would love to just, um, you know, help with the weight, with some of the products that we we mentioned earlier, like we, we'd love to donate some. So anyway, um, like Leon said, that contest is going to run this month. Um, we'll, we'll have it running, um, you know, through, through the, the middle of the month. And then we'll, we'll, we'll announce the winner at the end of August. And, you know, would love to hear, you know, why these teachers matter to you. And, um, you know, if there's a tie in to, to the climate and everything, that would be awesome, but it's not required. It's just something that we really wanted to do um, to say thank you. So listeners, um, you know, Leanne and I covered just, just a really few things, you know, talking about like the general back to school culture, but we know we didn't get to everything in the, in this episode. Um, so we'd love to hear your feedback. Uh, as always, you can, you know, engage with us on social. Um, we'd love to see like more podcast chatter there because I know you listening here are also following us everywhere else, but like, I'm always excited to hear when somebody like reaches out to us and DMS us about the podcast specifically. So just let us know or send us a note to, uh, on email at, that you can um, chat to us at podcast at brightly.eco. If you want to, want to say hi and give us some feedback. Um, but as always, we, we really, um, you know, create this for you to help answer questions and be really, um, helpful and, um, you know, just, just get you excited about living a more eco-friendly life. So thank you so much, Leon, for joining. A lot of fun again. Uh, happy to join and super excited about this. Thanks for joining us on another episode of Good Together. To get show notes and more, head to brightly.eco slash podcast. And as a special thank you to our listeners, use code GOODTOGETHER to get 10% off all products in Brightly's brand new shop full of planet positive swaps for your home. Finally, don't forget to join in on the conversation with us on social, where I know you can find us at brightly.eco. Don't forget, we're all on this journey together, so have fun putting the planet first and stay curious.